When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT, live on Twitter space, if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joe will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Deciding my own practices, where should I start? Tell us. So there's the there's the sort of answer where I am now, and I was reflecting on this question, thinking, but then where is everybody at in general, or what about when you start off in your journey, right, and you haven't got those experiences yet, or you haven't got that game understanding, or even like just knowledge of the game or their game, and the difference between the game and you know whatever age group you're at, what does their game look like? So. I normally start with the game. You know, what's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the scenario, the situation that we're trying to recreate based on principles that we want to work on and certain player actions I want to go after? And I want to simplify that more in the sense of what does that even mean? And normally I would go, you know, let's take, for example, we want to work on how good our players are at building our attack. And then you think, okay, where on the field are we building the attack? Is it close to our own goal? Is it in our own half? Who are the primary players? Is it the goalkeeper? Is it the back players? How are we building the attack? What sort of actions are we looking for from the players? How do we design environments that recreate those scenarios? Um, So those realisms, those game-like experiences, through whether it be sort of 1v1s or 2v2 or whatever it may be, activities or interference or in activities that are pure like attack v defense situational learning you know uh pitch geography that type of thing so i normally start with you know what are the numbers where on the field are we what's the problem we're trying to solve and i go there and then i'll work backwards so i'll always even watching games i'll watch games and I'll identify certain things that are happening in the game and then try to design the activities or the learning experiences based on exactly what happened in the game. And I'll recreate those little scenarios. And it might be through, you know, different shapes. It could be a square, it could be a rectangle, it could be a circle, it could be a hex, it could be whatever. And the, the exact players that are typically involved in those scenarios. But... My thing to you, Yaz, is, and this is where we're going to open it for the debate, is that's great if you're there, but then what's the reality for most people? And perhaps even some people listening, you know, because their reality might be, um, you know, they go on YouTube or they go on Twitter or they see a session shared from someone and then they try and copy that with their players. Where are they getting their ideas from? Um, And my thing would be, how can we become better at just really looking at the game. So less thinking about like all these drills that are online and, you know, all these PDFs that are flying around, there's thousands of drills and 
sometimes that can be good. I, I mean, I hate the word draw, but you get my point. Sometimes that can be good in terms of, you know, if you don't have an idea or you just want an idea to spark your thinking to then base something from. But for me, designing my own practices, where do I start? I think we've got to be better at thinking about what's the problem we're actually trying to solve. Because then what we can do as a coach is think, you know, what are my objectives? What's my actual goal, the focus of the session? That's, you know, number one, like, am I crystal clear in what it is I'm trying to achieve? And then I can start to think about all the other myriad of information, whether it be individuals involved, their challenges, individual considerations, certain rules, constraints, conditions that will amplify or dampen certain things that we want to achieve, right? We might use certain conditions because it will increase the likelihood of certain things happening because of certain behaviours that we're wanting to go after. But before you get down that road of thinking about rules, conditions, guided questions, challenges and all that, We've got to have a very clear, clear, like crystal clear headline. What is it we're going after today? What is the objective of today's session? And that's got to relate back to the game problem. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that, because obviously, you know, depending on what your experience is as a coach, how many, uh, yeah, like just even coach experience, it's going to be hard, you know, to start from different reference points. So it'd be interesting what your thoughts are and others in the room. I think you're spot on. Um, I think this is an opportunity really just to highlight the purpose of this 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 community that we've got that we're trying to build here, um, even on this space, in that we are all at different stages in our journeys and coming from different perspectives and different experiences. But just by being here, I think we're all we're all showing that we're also dedicated and committed to developing and, and trying to get better at what we do. So I think the key thing is it's not about necessarily what you've been exposed to so far it's what you do with you what you're exposed to going forward so hopefully if some of the insights from the coming from the conversations that we do have whether tonight or not, some of the other spaces are for coaches who may be earlier on in their journeys or haven't had haven't yet achieved certain points of their journeys um or had certain experiences yet hopefully this might fill in the gaps and maybe accelerate some of that learning and that development for them as well so i just want to start off by saying that but i think ultimately i think you know it is about looking at the game that the players are playing right I think quite often it's easy to fall into the trap of, right, well, I've just seen Man City do this, or I've just seen Arsenal do that, or I've just seen this coach put on this practice. Let me go and do that while I play because it looks good. But I don't think there's in maybe, you know, I'm generalising here, that maybe it's just as a community of coaches in, 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 a, in a whole, we're not spending enough time critiquing and ration, trying to rationalise the utilisation of certain practices and actions and even coaching behaviours within that. So for me, in terms of designing my own practices, I think it's also recognizing that you're not, you know, there's only so many times the wheel's going to get reinvented. It doesn't always have to look new and brand new and different. It's how you utilize the practice that makes a massive difference to the players in the environment. You know, I'm sure that, you know, if I, if you, if you gave us a topic and it was quite, uh, quite clear on what the outcomes were, what the intended outcomes were for the session, me and you'd probably design, and probably, probably a lot of the other people in the group right now would probably design a very similar session in some respects. There'll be a lot of similarities, so there's not, you know, there's only so many differences that are going to exist. I think from that standpoint, it's really just to get coaches to think about. You don't always have to come up with something new and that's never been done before. Sometimes it's referring back to what already exists and seeing right where does it fit in with the players that you currently got and how does and how does that utilize, how how can you best utilize that practice for them? Um, you know, certainly from conversations I've had and experience I've had in the past, there's been situations where I said to myself, Do you know what? That's a great piece of information. That's a great practice there, but I might not be able to use it right now. So I'm going to park that for the future rather than write it off completely. So I think it's just re- re- referencing, like you said, what's the game that your players are playing? Are they playing five aside? Are they playing six aside, seven aside, 11 aside? Whatever whatever format the game is that they're playing in. Or what, you know, what kind of team do they typically play against? What kind of team are they? Are they a team that you know has maybe had a few players in it? They're under 13s and they've, they've all they've all peaked early physically. They've all had the early growth spurt, so they're therefore the dominating teams. Well, how do you prepare them best for that? How do you, you know what's the practices that's going to support them with that? And sometimes it's not the practice stru- uh, structure itself. But it's actually it might not even be the it might not even be the actual dynamics or the dimensions of the practice, but it might be different constraints, different challenges you put on your players. You might you might consider underloading them, overloading them, 
So there's different ways in which you can do it, but you know, just a few things to kind of get started on that front. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Gerard. Yeah, I completely agree with all of it. And and one thing I was just thinking about now was that we can take a session that we've done before or from somebody else. Let's say Yaz shares a session, I look at it and go, actually, that's a really cool idea. I might do that with my players and it might not work. Um, but I might try that on a different night with a different group of players and it might work. You know, and I want to say that because I've done millions of sessions where I've used it over and over again and I've never had a problem. And I've tweaked things here and there, but the general of it, it's a go-to, it's worked as a practice. But then you do it with this different group of players and for that particular night, it might not be relevant or doesn't quite fit what they need. And I think that's something to consider because for me, or for us as a, a group talking, you know, with this fraternity, if you like, of coaches, we've got to remember that what do the players need and what's relevant to them? So how can we get closer to designing stuff that really looks like their game and meets what they need? So versus like, this is a really cool, shiny idea. I'm going to implement it because it might be too advanced. It might not be advanced enough. It might just not be what they need to work on. We might be saying we want to work on X, but then we've got a practice that, by the rules and the design of the activity, it's it, it won't lead to the outcomes that we've actually originally said that we wanted to go after. So I would say try and think about how we can create as much situational learning as possible. And what I mean by situational learning is we're creating the scenarios that they're likely to see in a game. And it's this repetition without repetition. So they're under different experiences, but it's varied. Right, So you work on the same learning outcome, learning focus, but there's different types of variability. It's not necessarily constant and not changing because we know the game changes. We want to make it more game-like. And you're putting them in situations that they are likely to occur on the pitch, and then you've got to draw that line for them in terms of explaining to the players really clear the clarity of why we're doing what they're doing, like how it relates to them, but also... What, how this relates to the game. So in a game, they're going to be receiving the ball in this area, and these are the type of situations they're going to be in. So that might be where the player can be to create that solution. Um, or these are the things they need to look for. So, you know, when I'm designing my practices, I'm often thinking about that. And I'm also then reevaluating the session and looking at it to go, is this going to help me get out what we want to achieve? And if not, why not? So straight away, before like when before we've even stepped foot on the grass, we're instantly thinking, what if, what if? Because players will cheat, you know, players are cheating whatever's. You know, they'll find a rule and break it. So if we say these two goals here are how the opposition counter and score, well, what if the opposition just defend those goals? But then they're doing something that, um, because of the rules of the activity, I'm just for an example out there, you might not be able to visualise it, but based on where the goals are located, they might be doing something that you wouldn't want them to do in a real game. So you want them to remain compact. But then the other team are like, well, if the only way they can score is to count on these goals, I'll just stand in front of the goals. We'll just defend each goal like this. So then they're defending wide. So they're not protecting central areas. So then that might be like, oh, we're going against how we want to play, right? So you've always got to think about what is the rationale behind what we're doing? How will the players cheat it? What if the players do this? How will you then respond? So rather than putting on a session, and of course you can do this on the night as well, you get better at adapting and is my area too big, too small? Do I need to change this? That's good. That's good at, you know, reflection on action. Uh, sorry, in action, right? Um but I'm saying, like, can we reflect it before the session? So can we go through what looks good? What does great look like? What is not so good? What could go wrong? And then we're almost preempting some of the things, and we it might make us rethink how we design this stuff. And then ultimately what we're doing is we're, we're being better in our plan. We're not overthinking it. But we're coming up with a very clear set of rules and challenges because there's certain things that we want to go after. So there's a clear rationale. And at least then in your mind as a coach, 
when designing your own practices, where do I start? Well, do you have a clear vision in your mind, a picture of what it is you, you're looking for? Or we're just putting on an activity for the sake of an activity and we're just filling space within the session and then we go out and coach, but we don't actually know what we're looking for. And I remember Tony mentioned this on one of the last ones we did about like butterfly coaching and then we're just coaching here, there and everywhere. So, you know, that's a huge one for me. Yaz. Sorry, I know you got your hand up as well. Um, I don't want to. I don't want you to lose your thought. I don't know if you had any thoughts before or thoughts on that. But yeah, just for coaches, like, are they clear on what is it they're looking for in the session? Yeah, I think. I think just to kind of tell back onto what you said, then right, right at the top of what you said, it's their game. What are their needs? Is what you highlighted. I think, but it's also agreeing and deciding on whose needs, who set those needs. Have we got the players' perceptions on it? Have we understood that what they see as their need? They, do they agree with the perception and the, and, the, and the reference points that you've, or the connections you've made between the practice and their game? Do they, do they agree with that? Because if they don't agree with that, fundamentally, you might have an issue getting their buy-in as well. So I think it's just something to highlight on that front. <clears throat> I think something that's really key within it as well is, you know, when you design your own practices, you might, like you said, have those conditions. And I think that one of the key questions I'd ask any coach to consider within the practice is, the decisions the players are making in your sessions, if they were to make these on the match day, would you praise and encourage or would you critique critique and <laughs> discipline is, is probably the best way to put it. If you critique and discipline those, those decisions on a match day, then why are you allowing them to get away with it in your practice? And I think another side note to make on that one as well is just because you involve the action of something within your session does not mean it is relevant to the game i.e if i'm passing the ball against against the wall as an example yes you're working on the action of of, of passing but you're working on the action of passing to a wall not a player not a person not in a game it's two very different contexts and i don't even want to go down the debate right now around what that looks like but does the practice recreate and replicate the scenario of what you're trying to work on in the same way it may or it may very likely look when it comes to a game situation have you got the same consistent variables and not just because it exists in the practice does it exist in the same way that it does as it would if it was a game just something to think about <clears throat> I love that I love that Evening, son. How are you, man? I'm good, thanks, guys. Um, this is one of those um, one of those subject areas that that's got me fired up, and I went and reached for my notebook and started scribbling things down because I know that you two like to like to get us all kicked off and and thinking about things. So I just made a few notes while while I've been listening to to Gerard there. Um, and I think that one of the really important things, which it might actually detract from any of us who think that we are uh, in, in inverted commas, higher level coaches, you've got to balance off what we think they need with what they think, uh, with what the players actually want. We're not all working with academy players we're not all working with senior sides who are competing at the top level. It might be that you're working with a rec side who just want a social side, get together with their mates, train once a week, play at the weekend, and then get hammered on Saturday night. And, and what they want isn't necessarily what you want to deliver. It's not going to develop you as a coach because they're not in they're not in the same frame of mind. You've got to have kind of vision and, and mindsets that that gel. The next thing um, touched on something that I know we've spoken about before. Are you designing your practice as part of a curriculum and you're going to deliver it regardless? So Monday this week, we're going to be doing that. And Thursday this week, we're going to be doing that. And then the following week, we're going to move on to this. Um, as opposed to 
what I what I call reactive type coaching. So we played a game on Saturday. We didn't do that very well. So that's what we're going to work on this week in training. Again, it, it's kind of it's. Are we going to work on that all season because we're not very good at it? And if we're not very good at it, we're not getting better at it. Is that my fault? Do I have to do something differently? Um, touching on what um, you you've both mentioned, you know, I I've got a massive coaching library of books: Bielsa, Guardiola, Mourinho, Dick Bate. If I'm going to take their sessions and de- deal, uh, deliver them to my players, I have to adapt that to my situation. I'm not working with £50 million centre-backs and £75 million full-backs. So I can put on a session that is based around what I take from the internet, what I take from a book, but I have to tweak it to my players. It has to, it has to be adapted. And the last thing I wrote down, um, which is probably the first thing I, th- I thought of, and it's a lazy way of coaching, but actually, if you if you pressed for time, if in doubt, throw them a ball. Something will happen within the first few minutes. If you've got no idea what about what you want to coach that night, you know, some of the guys that are, that are listening in here have got full-time jobs. They're doing their own bits and pieces. You don't always have time to plan. If in doubt, throw them a ball. And that's probably the one time that I would kind of accept um, butterfly coaching is better than no coaching at all. Here endeth the first lesson. No, I love that tone. I think there's some great bits in there. I think the real key thing to highlight is, though, is, you know, there is there isn't no one way to do it. We've all, we, you know, it's okay to take influence it's always okay to take inspiration it's always take guidance of other of other, other environments other experiences <clears throat> but ultimately it's just are we asking ourselves the right question in terms of how it applies to the current context we're in and for what reason does it apply in the current context where we're in with the players that we currently are working with and i think that's, that, that's those are the key bits to really kind of touch on so i mean if i had to strip it right back to the start of the question and, and you know it'd be where should I start with design my practice? I think, Gerald, you started to unpack it at the right at the top of the conversation was you've got to look at the game. What is the concept of the thing that you're working on? Is it Are you working on something in the, you know, that's taking place in the final third, midfield third, defending third? What area of the pitch is it taking place on? Who are the players that are involved in that area of the pitch? Who are the players involved in the direct sequence of, or the pattern that exists around what you're looking at, if that makes sense? And then what would be different if certain players weren't there? When you start to examine it from that perspective, you start to build the p- picture of who needs to be in the practice and who doesn't. And then if people say, oh, yeah, but what if I've got odd numbers and this number and that number? Well, then if you start breaking down, you start looking at who needs to be in there, you'll understand what the minimum number is required to make that scenario exist in the game, if that makes sense. And then obviously where the additional players might roll in. And sometimes it might not be putting on extra players within the same practice. It might be people rotating in roles to manage the numbers. But... That's probably his first starting point for me, but I'll throw, I'll throw another one out there for, for yourself, Tone, and even Gerald, for you to kind of... Right, what are your thoughts on the idea of turning all to- topics into questions? Rather than a question and finishing practice, it's, right, guys, we're going to work on how to play, how to attack in the wide areas today. Just a question. No reference to what... Could you say, that, could you say that again? Could you repeat yeah, that again? So, you were saying finishing all attack wide... Could you repeat it? Yeah, so instead of going down the idea of crossing and finishing, you literally just approach every topic or every session with a question for the players. So the question would be literally, you know, how how might we attack in wide areas? Or if we're looking at um, working with our defenders, right? How might we how might we defend against two 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 centre forwards where one is one likes to go in behind and one likes to stay in front? Just posing the situation as a question rather than highlighting a specific outcome we're going after if that makes sense yeah it makes sense Tony do you want to go first no, I, mean, I was going to sort of pick up on the first little bit that, that Yaz brought up there with regards to um, making sure that 
the players are experiencing the practice from the position that they're going to play in at the weekend. Um, and oh, certainly over the last couple of years, I've gone, and I've said this before on here, I would do probably, if I could get, if I thought it was the right thing to do and it was accepted, I'd probably spend 95% of my time doing attack versus defence practices, for whatever the topic Um because the players are playing in the positions that they're experiencing at the weekend. And then the only thing that I need to tweak is the role of the midfield players. So do they experience the defensive midfield side of, of what we're doing? And do they also experience the attacking side of, of what we're doing? Um, and I think that that way everybody gets equal focus. With regard to the, the second part of, of what you said there, Yaz, and sort of using it using a question i think it's i don't think that you necessarily need to throw them at the title at the start of the thing because by the by the time you've done the first few little ball rolling activities within your session i think it should become obvious to your players what you would for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Working on. I get your point rather than saying, right, so tonight we're doing crossing and finishing because they purely focus on those two things but how do we get the ball into wide areas which areas of the goal mouth are we aiming to hit all those things are really really important um so i i I don't think from a personal point of view how you reference it is that important it's interesting i I mean I'm not going to say I don't know or disagree. Um, I'm trying to think, or playing devil's advocate, I think if there's different ways you can rephrase it, sometimes that might help in terms of just creating like a different learning focus, right? It's not to say that it only has to be this way and only questions and not explicit, we're working on X. But I think there's nothing, there's no wrong, I guess there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, how can we, exploit wide spaces or how can we deal with because i guess that effectively is what you're doing you're asking questions but then next time it might be the mission for today is score as many opportunities as we can through playing through their block or the mission is i guess anything that creates a learning experience is probably good i think for the coaches it's just knowing why you're doing what you're doing right um and just don't take anything to the extreme i mean i I mean, I like your point. I mean, I've gone more that way of everything around tap v defence and just making it look like numbers that they're going to see in a game. My thing I was going to ask you both and everyone in the room is, I'm having a wrestle at the minute where I'm watching a lot of coaches design, I'm calling the session like a menu of learning, like a menu of activities. But there's almost too much going on in the session. So the bounce around the you got your warm-up or your rival, your starter activity, into this practice, into this, into the game, or into this, into a phase, or whatever. And my thing is, why don't we spend more of the session in this game, or in this attack me defence phase of play, whatever? Because that's where we're going to get more, I'm using the phrase, situational learning. I don't know what your thoughts are, because I'm wrestling with them anyway. I'm watching a lot of activities from coaches, and I'm thinking, but how does this connect to the game? And, and how, like, w- was potentially just filling space versus making an impact? Can we spend, instead of rushing and doing something for 10 minutes, could we spend 40 minutes on it and really go deep? You know, I'd be curious what your I thoughts are. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Gerard. I think, you know, the challenge. Um... I think for a lot of people, and having this conversation with a couple of different coaches over the last few days, is how minute can we get with the detail? How close to the core can we really get? And it's well, how far have you tried to get is the question. 
are you looking for the minute detail? Are you looking for the finer detail within it? Are you looking to unpack it? Are you? And I think you know, spending ten minutes on something is great. Spending forty minutes on something is great, but it's all in context. How well? How well are you checking the understanding of the individuals? Am I banging on for forty minutes about something they've never really understood in the first place? And I always think back to this one session I went to watch one time. Coach was delivering a session. It was about an hour long, and there was one key phrase that he kept on banging on about, and it was just the funniest thing ever. Because by the end of the session, one of the players was like. Coach, just to let you know, I have no idea what you're talking about when you say X. It was absolutely hilarious because the guy was banging on about it the whole time and it was just like he was really trying to drum this message in. And not once during that 60 minutes did he actually ask the players or check whether the players actually understood what he meant by it. So I think I think there is a I think there's definitely room for it. I think you definitely where possible you want to get as deep below the surface as possible. Um I do think Tony Tony made a great point earlier in, around as much as it is about what we want to get out out from it, it's what do they need and what do they want. I think that applies regardless of the situation you're in, regardless of the environment they're in. Obviously, there's going to be more, more emphasis on just the recreational part of it if they're not in an academy environment, possibly, whether rightly or wrongly, because it's not necessarily being seen as a career at this point. Obviously, when you're in the academy, they're looking at it as, right, this is a pathway into a career. So there might be more in some ways, if you like, more space for mundane tasks that they might not necessarily be fully enjoying, but actually just necessities as part of the process. Maybe, I don't know. Just something to think about. But um, I think there's definitely there's definitely room for it to be shallow thinking spaces and also in, in other areas, deeper thinking spaces, but also room just to, just to leave the loop open for players a little bit and not really solve the problems altogether. But... A final thing I'd say on that is also recognising that you hear a lot about coaches wanting to help players solve problems. They want the problem solved. And sometimes they leave them solving problems that they don't even they don't even know that they've identified themselves. And what I mean by that is you know you get a coach, you know, they're in situations where they're still trying to identify the problem before helping the players identify what the problem is. And they end up just facilitating a practice, putting practices on, but they're not really sure what they're going after. And I think it's a really dangerous space to be in. So I think, if anything, to take away from this conversation is that just make sure you're very clear on what it is you're trying to get out from the session. And it's okay to actually change your mind as well. Just make sure you're clear in terms of what it is that you're going into it for. If you're going to change your mind at any point, why is that? And then be clear and confident in that you made this decision based on a positive rationale and not just one that you just thought, yeah, it was going to change it. I feel like it's not a feeling, you know what I mean? There's logic applied to it. So, yeah. Sorry, I have a bit of a ramble there, but go on, go for it, Gerard. No, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything from Tony. I've got a couple of things, but I don't want to uh, take away from you. I don't know if there's anything you want to add, Tony, or anyone else. No, I think, you know, the the point you has just made is a real fair point. I th- I'm sure that I would have done it in the past, where I've, you know, I've had a session in mind. I've gone down there with my session plan in my pocket, um, and then maybe halfway through, I think, you know what? I don't need to keep working on that because they're doing all right. So what can I move it on to that might connect to that? Now that's again, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet but that's the result of years and years of of doing this thing week in week out for a living you know 20 years of coaching full time you develop a pretty a pretty thick skin and a pretty decent arsenal of uh, of things that you can uh, that you can change to if you feel that you need to we mentioned the other week about um about planning for sessions and only three or four people might turn up um but as long as you've got the experience and the knowledge to be able to put something on that's relevant to their position on the pitch it still doesn't need to it doesn't need to look like your session plan did when you wrote it out i guess no i completely agree i mean that adaptability such a key quality isn't it and I was even thinking as well, just how much of your session, what we haven't spoke about probably is, how much of your session do you base on the previous game or the upcoming game? Because this is something that, 
you know, we have a debate in our club and often I've seen a lot of coaches very reactionary. So we concede from this, right, we're going to work on that and practice. We need to get better at that or we're not finishing our chances, right, we need to spend more time on finishing or we concede on a corner, so we're going to do more on this. And although some of those things are, are, um, are valid, right? I mean, I guess you've got to address stuff. I always talk about um, almost having like a balance of 70-30. I don't know if thought I don't know if there's an exact science to it, but 70-30, 60-40, where if you've got a curriculum and you're working within that, or you've got at least that plan, that periodized plan of uh, thought of some kind of right, stick with it, we'll work on this, but then you've still got that 30% or 40% freedom where within that week, whatever it may be, you have the flexibility that if you need to address certain things, you still can do. Um, so I, know, I don't know, we haven't mentioned that yet of how much of the session, you know, do we work on that? How much of the session do you work on set pieces? You know, because set pieces are a big part of the game mm. as well. Restarts are a part of the game. And then I guess, um, you know, the other thing as well would be how much emphasis you're putting on the session to stick to your plan, you know, leading off the last one. So I know there's three points there because sometimes some of the best sessions you, I mean, I've run, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't plan your sessions, but sometimes we've done some good activities where we've not planned, you know, we've come in and we're doing it off the cuff, but actually it's been quite good life. So there's some, there's a couple of things that you, I guess yeah. we need to consider as well. Right. De- definitely, John. I think there's two there's two major things that pop out for me as you're speaking there. And I think first things first, I don't think you, and this is just my opinion, right? My experiences and my observations. You can have whatever topic you want, but as soon as you start to really challenge in and channel channel down onto the focuses around the individual development and in in the those needs and those wants around each individual within the practice, not every single player is gonna have an individual focus that's linked to the topic of the session. So naturally really the overarching topic or the theme of your session just becomes a platform to support all the players within it. And it's not always going to be directly linking their individual development plans and their progress the progress to what the overall outcome of the group is in that session, if that makes sense. So I think that's one thing. And I think something that's really key to highlight, you know, you talked there about being off the cuff of a few sessions and still going, still being successful. Yes, I think it's, it, can, it can happen. I think it's very rare that your off-the-cuff doesn't actually take some considerations into, into, into play anyway. It's off-the-cuff in the sense that you haven't pre-written it, you haven't pre, pre, um, pre-discussed it maybe to an extent, but it's not off-the-cuff in the sense that you know your players. And that's, probably, you know, that's, that's probably the most important part. You know your players. You know, you've, got, you've got a fair, fair or strong understanding around what they will or won't like they've got a fair or strong understanding of where it where they're at in their journey their development so you know what kind of practices might fall into line with that um within reason but also recognizing that actually off the cuff might end up meaning because i know these things i can put on a practice where i know it will still keep them engaged and give them relevant opportunity to practice around the key things i wanted to get out from it but i think the challenge is obviously one how well do you know your players and when you start designing your practices, are you designing your practices with the game in mind or your players in mind? And if you're if you're if you're planning and designing the practices with your players and their game in mind, are you also planning and designing your practices with their game in mind, knowing that they at times will have to deal with the fact they're not going to get success? And why I'm, I mention that specifically is don't start designing practices which you know they're going to achieve in relatively comfortably because then what you're going to get to is three four five six seven minutes into the session of, of, of an hour to go and they've already cracked it in terms of whatever you wanted to do within the practice then the question is how well have you planned how well have you planned to the point where you recognize actually do i know what would come next if they did crack onto this pit if you have designed one two three practices do you know what four five and six would look like because if you don't know what four, five, and six will look like, what happens if they get to three within the first thirty minutes of a sixty-minute session?
Love it, Yaz. Johnny, I know you've got your hand up. Are you ready to go? Hey, fellas. How are you doing? doing? Yeah, we're good. Just, it was an interesting one tonight. Um, I've actually spent most of my time thinking about how hard it must be for guys starting out now. Because when I started out, the, the volume of information, the volume of books, YouTube and that wasn't so powerful. So, in my head, I'm like, if, if I was a new starting coach, I actually would probably find it quite difficult to try and find the real me as a coach because of just the sheer volume of information that's out there. But in terms of the, the question, um, I always, I, I may be changing gear on what you're talking about here, but I would always start at the end. So no matter what group I've ever taken, they always just want to play and they want me to shut up. I don't know why. It's just a reoccurring theme. I don't know if anyone else gets that feeling, you know, but I feel like always give them 15, 20 minutes at the end at play. And then there, there's this sort of football geek in me that in terms of, of where should I start is if that's the end point and I just want them, they just want to play and they don't want to hear me, how do I design a session to flow that will then give me the goals or the theme of the session at the end without any input from me? So that's always something in my head. And then the second part is is I'm I love my colour coordination and it's it's not been said yet, but I love structuring a session within a session. Um each different change or each part of the session will be a different colour and it's lift and go. So I, I don't know if you guys have any ideas about how your colours and that can impact uh, your sessions or whatever, because I always think it helps me transition and, and keep the info in my head. Hey, Johnny, can you just clarify that just so I'm clear on what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just talking about um, if I set a session up, I love it to flow. You love all the practices to link. And I do that by using colours. So say like uh, just as a, a term like drill one would be blue, drill two would be yellow, drill three would be orange in terms of maybe cone colour. And then you yeah. just kind of lift and go. And then I would coordinate coaching points on my coaching list with the same coloured pen. And I just yeah. don't know if you have, have any other ways of how you would link the coaching points in your session to the session. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, mate. I'm a bit anal when it comes to puns. I don't use anything but white. <laughs> um, but I get it. The logic, the lo- you know, I get the logic of moving from one to the other. I just, I just... Yeah, I try to avoid use anything that's not white, to be honest. But um, that's just me. I mean, think in terms of just. I think one thing that I would say works for me in terms of just managing information and coaching points and things like that. I think something that's really powerful is imagery. I love using imagery, and I think more more so because it just makes sense to me. Um, and then you know, as time's gone on, I've understood that actually this can be just as impactful for my players. So, I basically as much as I want them to understand it in their own way, I give them the messages and the, and the understanding that I've got of it and see where that lands with them. Um, and often for me, everything that I work with is images. So, you know, is there a reference point I can attach it to? Is there, you know, if I'm talking about certain things, is there a clear image which, which can kind of be an analogy of it or in some ways? Um, so, yeah, that would be my take on that, John. It's interesting because, I mean, I was listening and I was thinking I've never done it that way. So it's an interesting rationale. And, and the main thing is at least you've got a rationale for why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I've never tried it. I'm similar to Yaz. I would always have white um, just because obviously we play to white lines. But I would also, if I've got different pitches or things, they wouldn't always necessarily be white because sometimes I might have a different colour to differentiate the pitches so the cones don't get confusing. If I can use, if there's natural lines on the field anyway, I'll always try and use those natural lines because, like, especially if you're in a gym or something like that, because you, why not? Um, or flat markers or whatever. Um, I've definitely put cones underneath cones or done things like that to have as certain evolutions of a session or transition from one thing to the next. But I've never done it where... It's like blue is this, like phase one, yellow, now we're going into this and that. Um, I'll probably try just to see what I think, to be honest, but I've never thought of it that way. My instant brain went to um, 
does it distract in any way? I don't know. You would know because you're doing it. The other thing is, what if kids are colourblind? I know it might sound daft, but there might be certain colours that certain kids can't see. Um, does that have an effect as well? Um, or even just certain colours on types of, whether you're on turf or grass, do they look great as well? So I don't know. Sorry, Tony, I know you've got your hand up. Yeah, it was just um, interesting listening to what Johnny was saying there about the colours and then and then your comeback uh, with, with the colourblind thing. I know that's uh, that has become a bit more of an issue. I know it's... Um, I think it's a guy called Brad Walker who sells these game changer magnets, which are like body shape things, which are really good. But he's actually done a a color blind version of them. So um, I think it's a lot of, for a lot of people. It's red and green. I think that that, that they have a problem with. Um, and I know that I bind a lot of um, different colored cones. I tend to just have either uh, yellow, white. And, and a few red ones, which I sometimes use for if I want to use goal uh, goals and I haven't got um, pop-ups or anything like that. But I guess it's along the same lines. When I'm setting my practice up, I um, I tend to go from small to large in, in terms of area size. So I'll set it up so that I've, my big pitch is ready to go at the end. But if I've got progressive practices within that, they're set up within the larger area, if that makes sense. Um, and I know that, um, again, tying it into the point that you made earlier on, Gerard, about the number of activities um, in a session, someone criticised... I, I posted a session a few weeks ago, and there's always... Uh, the world's full of critics, and this guy said, oh, your session's an hour and a half, you've got five activities in there. It's too many. And I'm like... Okay, that you know it's your opinion, but a lot of experience tells me that it works. So, but two of those activities were warm up and cool down, so actually, it, it only had three activities in an hour and a half session. Um, three main activities, footballing activities, um, and and the other session I do during the week is only for an hour. So again, within that session, I'm only going to include one small activity you know a, a passing and receiving or uh, yes is going to hate this uh, a, a rondo but then it'll it'll lead on to some kind of game and the the, the players uh, what i find particularly with the younger age groups get off it yes um uh, uh, if you do an attack versus defense it is a game. It, it, it's it's directional. We're attacking one goal. We're defending the other goal. But the players will go, oh, are you going to have a game yet? Well, then you've got to explain to them, this is a game. Look at it from the game perspective. You're defending that end, whether it's a line or an area. But you're attacking the other end, which is a goal where we may or may not have a goalkeeper if the keeper turns up that night. So sometimes you've actually got to almost redefine for your players, particularly the younger ones, what a game is. That last point, I completely agree with you, bang on. It's almost like, I don't know if convincing is the right word, but just selling the message, actually clarifying to them and the, the relevance, because they will do that, won't they? And it's actually saying, but we are playing a game because their definition of a game might be just, I don't know, maybe the two big goals or something different, full pitch. But actually, if you go into this, this is still their game. This is the scenario we're working on. So I, I think that is a huge point um, that you've made at the end for everyone to take away. Because, again, how we draw in that clarity in their mind. And I've got one for you real quick, actually. If you, any, Well, Tony or anyone answer. I'm curious. You've got three activities there, really and they're the football ones, how much time do you spend on the others versus the others? And I know there won't be an exact science, but I guess what I'm asking that question of is, can we spend or do we or should we spend more time on the stuff that's got real meat on the bones? Does it Or are we just like, are we filling space or are we making an impact? Because that's where I'm, I'm at right now. We've got this hour, we've got this 90 minutes. Are we just filling space and filling up time? You know, and, and do we think, oh, we could have spent a bit longer on this, 
or we're just doing it for because that's the next progression or whatever. I don't know what your thoughts are. I, certainly, from from my point of view, if I was doing a let's let's say I was in some kind of passing drill um, or one v one attacking, one v one defending, something like that as the first part of my football activities after the warm-up. For me, it's almost just an extension of the warm-up. So that particular activity is probably going to be five or ten minutes reinforcing the brilliant basics before I get into some kind of opposed practice, which is then going to lead into a game. Um, And on some occasions, like I say, in the one-hour practice, I might not not do an unopposed practice at all. uh, I might go straight into an opposed practice, 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, some kind of transition exercise, and then into a game. Uh, but but the, the biggest part for me is always going to be the game, whether that's attack against defence or whether it's two goals and two goalkeepers. Right. Gerard, conscious of time. Johnny, conscious of time. Tony, conscious of time. So, you know, I want to first of all start by saying thank you for your um, contributions. I'm not sure if anyone else got anything else they want to add or ask any questions on anything that's been discussed so far, but I think that pretty much rounds me up, man. No, perfect. I think just excited, like keeping the conversation going, you know, and it's great that we've got this sort of fraternity community of coaches and it's great to see some new faces at different experience levels and I think just keeping the conversation going, you know, I'm excited. I, I always feel like I'm challenging myself as well in my own thinking when I do this and listening to others. So, you know, really appreciate everyone's time. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.